tinfoil hat. Come with me into the waters of conspiracy with Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. Mr. Sam Tripoli. With my friend Ryan Davis. Hi, Ryan. We're like the first gay couple of conspiracy theories. I think it's beautiful, man. in the bunker with an early morning tinfoil hat. You know, we're usually not up by now, but we had a special guest coming in, so we had to get it done early. Uh, guys, welcome to Tinfoil Hat. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you guys for all your uh, positive messages on everything. Uh, your passion fuels the show, and you guys are really uh, enjoying everything we're doing, and we appreciate your kind words and uh, some of the notes you've given us how to make the show better. So thank you. Uh, thank you guys for all the amazing uh, feedback we got in the Eddie Bravo episode, uh, the uh, five-minute video that people are going nuts on about Flat Earth. Now, I'm not a Flat Earth guy, but, man, it is amazing how passionate people are about that, you know? Flat Earth is the abortion of conspiracy theories. It really is, dude. You're either it for is. it or you're against it. It's really unbelievable. I mean, people just teeing off on free content. It's unbelievable how angry people get about free content. But check out the video. It's what everybody's always wanted. Eddie Bravo arguing with two drunk scientists. So Eddie's high, they're high. It's all good. Guys, uh, please follow us on everything. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Tinfoil Hat Podcast or Tinfoil Hat Cast on Twitter. Uh, tinfoil hat pod on Instagram, please. And, uh, grab those shirts, dude. That's a great way to support the show. Uh, every shirt you go helps us, uh, build the show more and more websites getting started, all that. Check out the revolution that will be podcasted t-shirt. Uh, we really love that one. It's, uh, our podcast going out and turn everybody into werewolves or Armenians. Either one. That's my thing. Those are my people. Uh, we go zero to felony very quickly. So check out the T-shirts, allcomedyt-shirts.com. And the Patreon just keeps growing, man. We just started. We had hit over the century mark. So we appreciate you guys all helping out. Like, you know, I know everybody's hitting you up on uh, on Patreon. So we're doing $2, $3, and $5 if you're nasty. You know what I'm saying? So thanks for all the support, guys. It's growing. We put it, I think in the last three weeks, we put uh, like almost six hours of content on there. Yeah, it's been great. Good feedback. And we just did a show with uh, the Grimerica show. And if you guys know about them, they're really sweet dudes. So check it out. And we got another one about to drop very soon. And guys, it is the Social Justice Warrior World Tour of Texas. That's right. Myself, Brody Stevens, Jim Florentine, Chad Zumach. We are hitting all these amazing clubs all over Texas. Uh, December 14th, we're in San Antonio at the Blind Tiger. December 15th, we're at Cava in San Marcos. Uh, at Austin, De December, uh, Houston, Saturday, December 16th. 
Uh, we're at the Secret Group and then Austin on Sunday, December 17th. Uh, you can go to those websites of those of those places and grab tickets. So that's our show. That's the business right there. Thank you guys so much. Uh, join us in studio. He is part of a, a, an amazing army that's on the Internet who's bringing you the news that you got to hear, unfiltered and real. He's part of the Jimmy Dore Show. Please welcome. I'm super excited to have him on. Ron Placone, everybody. What's up, man? Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this uh, earlier than usual. I no, appreciate man. it. It's you know you brought up uh, flat Earth, and I don't know if you knew, but there was a flat Earth convention in Los Angeles recently. Hmm. And oh, uh, I didn't know that. Well, they were they were in Pasadena, which is the neighborhood I live in, and uh, I was just going out to eat myself, and uh, coincidentally, we went to the same place, which ironically enough. They chose a pizza place yeah. to have their food, which I thought was like, and I was like, man, if I was a server at this restaurant, I would probably offend a lot of people at this convention because I'd be like, hey, here's your food that, by the way, is for sure round. Uh, yeah. Totally <laughs> round food that I'm serving you right now. It's round. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's what's your take on that whole thing? On flat? I mean, it's absurd. I mean, like, listen, man, I, if I say it's absurd, I'm going to get nailed by a couple very passionate people. Mm-hmm. But there has to be – I don't believe in flat earth. But I just feel like where there's smoke, there's fire, I mean, there's something – something's going on. I mean, am I wrong? Like We're going to start a GoFundMe to get Eddie Bravo into space. There's there's smoke <laughs> all right, guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, there's like – you know, like I believe in simulation theory. You know, there was that, that whole conference we talked about it where um, Neil Grassi Tyson had – a bunch of uh, scientists and researchers, and the guy said that he'd gone so deep into, like, analyzing molecules and stuff like that. I I know I'm butchering, but he's found binary code. Yeah, well, I mean, science is an evolving thing, and and that's kind of the beauty of all of it. And then to, like, question the evidence that's out there and to, like, dig deeper— is kind of a natural human thing. Now, that being said, some people have latched on to some really out there stuff where you're like, ooh, I don't think so, buddy. Sorry. Uh, and that's why, like, I really love what you guys are doing. Like, oh, I really, you. I, like, and, and you said this, like, like so, so I'm kind of quoting you, like, you said this in our studio where you're like, yeah, we're trying to take back, you know, the tinfoil hat thing. Yeah, like, yeah, we're yeah. trying to take that back because, like, you know, it's, it's one thing to latch on to these out there things for whatever reason. It's another thing to, like, Think critically and dig deeper, and question the latter everything. question everything. I mean, I feel like if you're not doing that, especially in the world we live in, I mean, you're, you know, you're talking about the news and politics realm where I dwell in at the Jimmy Dore Show. It has, for the past however many years in my life, pretty much for as long as I can remember being awake, um, it's a common habit of mine to, you know, see what the corporate media is saying. And then dig deeper and find out what's really going on and get my eyeballs on as many firsthand documents as I can because they're not telling you the full story. That's just like a natural thing that I think everybody needs to do. It's sad we live in a world where you need to do it, but you do. So, you know, I I say, yeah, you have to question everything. You have to dig deeper. It's it's unnatural not to. It is causing uh, problems within my relationship (laughs) with my girlfriend. She uh, loves mainstream media, and I, because you know, she's a, you know we're we're over forty, you know where so she's grown up in that era where you like mm-hmm. she got like what was the golden years of you know the uh, you know the seventies eighties of news where like there was this integrity that's what we thought so you trusted these guys mm-hmm. and over time you know as Reagan got rid of the rule where you had to have dissent uh, another voice that. Uh, 
that would uh, you know uh, articulate the other side of the argument. Right. Yeah. And then you know, and then you had uh, the Clintons. Yeah. Tell her everything changed in '96. I mean, that that was Clinton. That, that Good was, that luck, was... dog. Good <laughs> luck with that. <laughs> I don't know your girlfriend. <laughs> you got you to pick. You got to pick your fights. You know. So we were watching uh, 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 sixty men. She loves sixty men, mm-hmm. and so we turn it on, and within two seconds, it's already what. Everybody who questions the mainstream media, they do exactly what, the, what what makes everybody angry. And that is, you know, I would like to say it's fake news almost in, in the sense that they open up with, a, uh, uh, you know, Syria, Assad. Is, he, they literally say he's gassing his own people. And we all know that's not true at all. Mm-hmm. And we know that through time, you know, it's red line, rat line, right? That, you know, Obama was going to move in because they said that he was gassing people. But the U.N. moved so quickly and found that it wasn't Assad's. Uh, chemicals. It was actually most likely chemicals that they got when they basically illegally assassinated Gaddafi, Muammar Gaddafi, and took all of his uh, his weapons out of his armory. Well, it's one of those things. Like, go to the people that were there. You know, go to the first hand. You know, don't just take like like some some copy and pasted press release that just like parrots the establishment narrative because they have blatant conflict of interest. The biggest thing being. They never met a war they didn't like. Why? Because they get a lot of funding from people that profit off of that. Yeah. You know, they, they don't get advertisements from oil and gas companies and, and advertisements from defense contractors because those companies want to get the word out and spread the word it about what so they're weird, doing. Right? Yeah, like like it's not like the average <laughs> consumer is like, I might be looking for a tank. Yeah. No, they buy that advertising so that they can get favorable coverage. It's they not, control the message. Yeah, I mean, it's conflict of interest 101 that if other countries were doing it, we would probably use that as a reason to invade them but when we do it well that's just the free market baby that's just capitalism I no it, it, it's predatory it that's is, what it is and it's just weird man it's just like it, it i sometimes i think we just live in this banana republic where it's just like there's so much corruption everywhere mm-hmm. i mean it's at the highest levels you know i mean this whole thing with net neutrality and oh. now you're finding that like all the comments that are are anti net neutrality are all basically bots. Right. Yeah. Well, because I, I mean, anyone that kind of looks into that issue, I don't see how anybody could possibly favor that. I, 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 I mean, it's just the most. When when I see, I mean, and, and I'll be honest, you know, like we're all in the comedy world. When I see comics being apathetic about it, and and I I know that that's cool in comedy right now. It's really cool to be apathetic and not care, even though you're not an actual nihilist because you like. Your little bubble is the world to yeah, you. Well, so you're not a nihilist. Either be a nihilist or, or don't. Well, hipsters, but, like, they act like they, they don't care how they look, but you know they worked on right, that outfit. Right, right, right. So you this can't whole... uncoordinate that easily. You have to f- make sure <laughs> nothing matches. Right. So it's like you do care. And, and if net neutrality goes, it's going to be so much harder. If you're any type of creative person, you should be out like going nuts about the idea of losing net neutrality and if you're a consumer you should be going nuts i mean pretty much anyone except for the these cable lobbyists that want to get rid of it um everybody should be you know fighting tooth and nail about the net neutrality Couldn't thing right now and, more, and hopefully dude. the courts hopefully the courts help us well i'm lucky that's that we got to rely had, on you had like 3 weeks for this thing and it seems like finally people have woken up Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, no one was saying anything. I'm like, guys, this is, like, really important. And then finally I've seen, like, people start to wake up and really – and I'm really happy because it's, like, this guy that's – I can't even pronounce his name, the head of the FCC. Ajit Pai. 
Ajit Pai, I'm super excited that he's not a white guy. You know, that finally <laughs> we have some corruption that's not a white dude because everyone wants to blame everything on, like, white white people. I'm like, it's the only color that matters is green at the end of the day. You know, it's like we had these amazing elections, these midterm elections, and, you know, all these different people got elected, All you know, women, transgenders, all that. And that is awesome to me because they're not the status quo. But at the end of the day, when that life-changing money gets thrown at you, you know, when you can make a lot of money playing ball with some people, mm-hmm. what's your reaction going to be to that? Because at the end of the day, I don't care if you're an old white guy or a transgender. If you're taking cash, you're not helping the situation. Yeah, well, and this guy has been groomed for a long, long time. I mean, he was a lawyer for, for the telecom industry, and then they were just grooming him to be in this position. And he was recommended by Barack Obama. So, yeah, I mean, it is, it really is just one big club. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you get these people like like that on surface level make these promises, and it's up to you to hold them accountable. We would have lost net neutrality the first time. Tom Wheeler didn't care that much. Tom Wheeler didn't want to go Title II. The people twisted his arm until he had to. They twisted Obama's arm until he had to make a statement at the 11th hour. These people, so when people make the argument like, well, uh, the FCC wants net neutrality because it allows them to overreach. No, it doesn't. It doesn't do that at all. It's just a Title II designation like phone calls or flowing water. So it doesn't give them power. In fact, they didn't want to do it. Why? Because at the end of the day, they're all cable lobbyists. Even Tom Wheeler had a background in that. It's unbelievable. Yeah, like, like they just, he just wasn't groomed from day one, whereas A.G. Pai has no societal pressure to do anything about net neutrality. So either one of those votes has got to flip or the court's got to, like, save the day at the end of it, which hopefully they will do because just as recent as two years ago, they were like, yeah, clearly Title II designation is appropriate here. So, Well, let's hope let, let, Let's hope on that. Um, I want to get into, before we get into what we're going to talk about, I wanted to talk to you about how you got involved in the Jimmy Dore Show. I love the Jimmy Dore Show. I get all my news from it. I try to watch a, a video once a day. You guys are always cranking out some amazing content. Uh, how'd you get involved in that show? So it's a cool story, I, I think. Anyway, it all started like I was just starting in comedy. It was just a few years in. And, you know, news and politics has always been of interest to me. Like, like a lot of like a lot of comics I say that came to politics later. Like I was interested in politics first and then got into comedy. And, and uh, so I was writing a lot of really topical stuff. I wasn't really um, doing much. I wasn't living in Los Angeles or anything like that. And uh, I, w- I would just go to open mics and, you know, there'd be like six or seven comics that would be like, yeah, we have no idea what you're talking about. So I started doing this little mini cast segment of all like my kind of political stuff. And I called it Thoughts, Rants, and Cold Coffee. And my whole idea with it was I was going to pitch it to other shows to use as filler oh, content. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, and it got it actually did help me a lot, and it was a little different. So I got on some pretty cool things. And uh, one of the things I got on was the David Pakman show, which at the time was on the Young Turks Network. Uh, around the same time, a comic named Lee Camp was great. Lee's great. Doing Lovely. great work. Yeah, I've been friends with him for work. a long time. Yeah, he is doing really, really great work. He's been on the show. We, uh, oh, cool. I, 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 I get upset when people try to dismiss what he's doing because it's RT and this this oh. notion that oh, uh, it's Russian propaganda. And I just like, I, what did the Russians do? Tell me where, where this thing is that you are so anti this other than being told to be anti that. Like, have you actually looked at the content and what's being said? 
And I'm like, I agree with 99% of it. I'm not going to agree with everything because I'm a person, they're a person. We have different filters in which Yeah, if we... there's ever a network you, where you agree with 100% of what's being said, there's something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just weird. With, I don't even agree with everything I say on this show. Sometimes I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I shouldn't have said that, you know? So, I mean, it changes here and there. But well, you we... evolve, too, you know? I mean, I yeah, like I've certainly gotten, like, my views have evolved because of the world around me changing. I right, mean, that's right. just human nature, too. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, RT is, is yeah, I mean, the, the, that's I love a what whole, they're doing, dude. I love what they're doing, too, and, and the whole thing of what they're facing. This is just modern-day McCarthyism. This is just modern-day xenophobia. That's all this is. You know, I mean, when it first came out, I was like, look, I'm fine with RT saying where their funding comes from. But you know what? That rule has got to extend to CNN, to MSNBC, Couldn't to agree Fox more. News. So what, what, what seems shadier to you, uh, a fear, an American bureau? That that has a foreign outlet influence. Was which, it by Mockingbird? The way, which is by that the way, Mockingbird there's... Operation Mockingbird. Yeah, dealing with the media. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many for like American bureaus. I mean, there's Sputnik. There's um, Al Jazeera. The, the, there's Chinese outlets. That's Clinton just even said Al Jazeera was the best network. Yeah. for news. She literally said that when she was testifying in front of the Senate. She's like, I wish we could have that. Yeah, and, and we have bureaus in other countries. We have BBC America. I mean, uh, being an American bureau of a foreign outlet is nothing new, and it's nothing out there. You know what's way more corrupt, in my humble opinion? Being owned by the people that make bombs. Being owned by Comcast. Speaking of net neutrality, you think you're going to hear a good thing about net neutrality on MSNBC? No, you're going to hear intelligent people pretend like they don't know what the heck it is uh, because their paycheck depends on them not knowing what it is. So, I mean, what's more corrupt? Or, or you're owned by some media mogul, Rupert Murdoch, or you're owned by uh, some guy that clearly only cares about advertising and ratings and has made that clear, like Jeff Zucker over at CNN? Garbage What sounds more being. shady to you to He's me a garbage person very much so so you know what let's have all the disclaimers let's say yeah this is an american bureau of a foreign outlet which we do all over the world we do in other countries other countries do it here that's called uh spreading information which is what we're supposed to do as humans uh versus this corporatocracy that's illegal in other places and should be illegal I here i don't know how we got here dude it's just like we have allowed people to sell us out we elect people fully believing they're going to lie to us and not do anything and we just we just want to participate in democracy every two and four years Mm -hmm. and then we just let then we just get screwed and nobody cares anymore because they're too busy on their phones and i'm somebody who's addicted to my phone or they're too busy on watching american idol or finding out who kim kardashian's getting knocked up by (laughs) next and you know they're just inundated with just ridiculous stuff and it's it's really sad, man. It's really sad where we're at. I don't understand why. And I love the work that, that uh, you guys are doing because you guys are really truth. Because you guys are the first time I've seen uh, a show that is right down the middle. I mean, you guys are obviously liberal, but you're calling out progressives. Now, what's the difference between well, we, a progressive and a liberal, by the way? <laughs> well, we call out corruption where yes, we see it. Yes. It doesn't matter the letter next to the politician's name. We really don't care. And That's you a know, theme on our show. We don't join groups. Yeah, I mean, totally, man. And the Democratic Party has really let progressives down. And, and, and I think, like, the biggest difference is that, like, liberals are more – uh, quote-unquote business-friendly, whereas, like, progressives are not. You know, we want single-payer health care. We want free college. Uh, we're not going to accept that we can't have other things the the 
other industrialized nations take for granted because we have this out-of-control defense spending. And that's where we have a lot of commonalities uh, with libertarians and stuff like that. Like We both are against the military-industrial complex. We're both against uh, the way resources are being allocated in our military budget. Uh, we want to both invest in infrastructure. Now, on certain issues, we certainly see things a little bit differently, healthcare, education, stuff like that. But, um, you know, those things that I mentioned that we have in common, those are some pretty big things. And we're both against the one party, which is the money party. Yeah. And that's what Republicans and Democrats are. They are the money party. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I find myself on, like there's like I love your show. And then on the other side, we had a friend of ours who was on the show, The Truth Factory, and she's more of a conservative view. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing how you both have common themes coming on. Yeah. And those common themes are a little bigger than the things where we see things differently. And and those differences are, are significant, but I feel like those are things we might be able to flesh out uh, compared to these bigger things where, well, no one's going to do anything about the military-industrial complex. No one's going to do... They just passed a, a, a ridiculous budget that, that wasn't even... You know, public wasn't even consulted on. That's it wasn't even told thing, about man. it. We like, just let them just pass stuff. We have mm-hmm. zero say in our democracy. We Like, we elect these guys... I guess we elect them. I mean, we find yeah. more and more that these, you know, it's like someone put out this great meme, and like I know it's a meme, but how like Vegas slots are more regulated than our voting machines. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know who owns them. We don't know their background. We don't know anything about these voting machines, and it's like we're cool with that. It's like I don't even know. And then I thought, like, man, how do they count all the? You know, like we elect the president in a day. A million or something people vote. Like, that sounds fishy to me, too. Like, how are we counting all these votes so fucking quickly that, like, by 5 o'clock on on uh, 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 on the West Coast, we know who the president is? When you're, like, 100 million people voted. Like, that seems crazy to me. Well, and you're not even touching all the other stuff that goes on, gerrymandering, the electoral college, super delegates. I mean, all this ridiculous nonsense. That's why, like, getting back to the whole, like, McCarthyism thing, whenever you hear that, like, establishment propaganda saying, which is what it is at this point, well, a hostile foreign government hijacked our democracy. I'm like, well, can somebody call that hostile foreign government and tell them we're doing a good job on our own? Yeah. We really don't need anyone else's help. We're hijacking our democracy just fine. On our own, but uh, do, should we get back to how I met Jimmy? Yeah, <laughs> we totally got yeah, sidetracked. Yeah. Now we get into our show. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so um, when I opened for Lee, one of the employees of uh, the online news network, The Young Turks, was there and saw me open for Lee, saw me, um, and knew I was doing that segment on David Pakman. And he's like, why aren't you doing a video segment on that? And the answer was just, I just wasn't. You right. know, like, I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm mostly just a road comic at this point, still trying to establish myself. How long have you been myself. doing comedy? Uh, it's 10 years now. Nice, yeah. dude. So, like, and, and, you know, and I was on the road now for you're getting five into of your, Now you're getting 10 years in, that's where you start really fine getting into it man yeah i mean i've been in la for a year and a half and you know prior to that i was just a road guy but what i was also doing simultaneously as much as i could uh the young turks let me on their network so i was just doing like i didn't have like a studio or a thing but i was just doing those mini segments just like you know just talking to the camera those types of things so it was just a video version of thoughts rants and cold coffee and then uh which was what my segment was called and then 
whenever I would visit LA, I would just do any TYT shows they would let me do in the studio. So I did a couple panels with Jimmy Dore. And, and I had known Jimmy, I mean, or known who Jimmy was. Like, I remember my freshman year of college, before I even uh, was doing comedy, I I watched Jimmy's first special in 04, you know? And I was really into politics. I was really into the election, so I, I loved his special. So, like, I knew who Jimmy was for, for a while, and then I got to sit panel with him, and I told him about that. Like, hey, man, I, I watched your special when I was in college. I'm a fan. Um, and then, yeah, when I moved out here, I you know, hit him up again. I had like done his show at that point. He would let me sit panel whenever he had a seat available. And I tried to never, ever say no, you know, like, like whatever I was doing, I would just drop it and go I there. Yeah. It. The only time I would say no is if I was actually on the road. Cause when I first, um, you know, when I first got to town, I was having to do colleges just to kind of make a living. No, you know? I get that. So like as long as I wasn't, and I would do like a school or two a month and then just kind of be in L.A. the rest of the time. So, you know, as long as I was in town, I'd be there when he called. And then, you know, eventually he started letting me write for the show. And then it kind of just morphed into, you it's know, great what it is now. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's great. It, it's changed my life. I mean, yeah. It, it, yeah. And been... it, it, it's I say you guys are doing the Lord's work, man. And it's like. <laughs> really great i mean like i'm discovering all these great youtube things and you know people get really mad at youtube they're like oh you just watch a youtube video and and it's like man read a book and i'm like dude i love reading books but don't act like there isn't any bad information in books too and i'm this isn't an anti-reading at all this is like you know textbooks that come out of texas are just chock full of like propaganda and all that stuff Mm -hmm. you know everything you read or everything you watch you got to filter through common sense man and I just feel that, like, there's a tide turning. And this push for net neutrality and the censorship of Google, YouTube, Facebook, and all that stuff is, like, it's a fight back to control the message. Oh, big time, man. This whole thing, I mean, the common theme here is this is an attack on independent media because the powers that be, they know they're losing their footing. People are jumping. I mean, cable news is a sinking Titanic. It needs to be. Yeah, well, it needs to be. And it's almost become a parody. Well, it has become a parody of itself. More and more people are realizing that, especially young people, because they don't see the gatekeeper difference. A young person that's like maybe 12 or 13 right now, they see no difference between a series that they like to follow on YouTube uh, that's maybe made on somebody's phone that's just some random person right. living in Nebraska right. versus a cable television show. Like, they don't see the difference. If it's content they like, it's content they like. They don't give like, – like, like, they don't care about anything else. Um, so that's – you know, like, the credibility is just kind of slipping by the wayside. That's not becoming as much of a thing anymore. And then you have these people – you know, you want to talk about Syria. You want to talk about – you know, when I was in college and everything was going on with Iraq – uh, you know, I knew real quick, I can't go to Fox News. I can't go to CNN. I got to go to people like Juan Cole, people like these independent academics and, and peace activists that are actually going over there and showing people what's going on. Same thing today. You know, you, you got to hear from people like Eva Bartlett, who's actually in Syria, from Abby Martin, who goes to oh. every war zone and tells people the truth. have a calendar coming out. I'd like an Abby Martin calendar. But she's going to be in a burqa, so no. I love her. She, that was a great episode. She's a hero. I mean, she is a hero. Her, Amy Goodman. I, I mean, there are some people out here. These are true American heroes that that are really just putting themselves in danger, literally risking their lives to tell the truth about something. Those are the people I want to hear from. I agree. Not someone in a, a $12,000 suit who's literally reading There's too PR. many conformists in mainstream entertainment right now. Too quick to jump through loops. Too quick to give the industry what they want. 
I don't know where the rebels are, the bad boys. You know, it's like I love being a shit talker. I love stirring up the pot. I think people uh, respect that when they watch it, that maybe, you know, it's not the, you know, in terms of just comedy from a comedy point of view, you know, it's like, you know, I call it uh, pop comedy, you know, mm-hmm. I may never get the, the the loud laugh of a pop comic, but I, I think people appreciate, I think a real art is like, how do you get to where you want to go, your goal, more than how big is the goal, meaning, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I you know I see these comics go up and they just it's a laugh a second it's a laugh a second but they're not talking about anything and then you see a guy go up there spitting some truth and maybe the laugh isn't as loud but man everybody goes that guy that was some real shit right there and people mm-hmm. uh, people appreciate it and that's why they're moving to our show your show is because pe- and I learned this from listening to Rogan it's like people want food for their brain. They want to be challenged. They want to uh, try to work on a higher level. And you have a lot of people just giving them the dumb, giving them the dumb, giving mm-hmm. them the dumb. It's like, and that's, they don't care. Like I tell people, man, don't expect television to ever change. Don't expect them to suddenly change all their programming. Because the people at the very top who own big chunks of all of these media, they don't make their money in ratings and television and all that stuff. That's not where they make their money. Okay, their money really is in God, gold, oil, drugs. Okay, that stuff is the television might make billions. That shit makes trillions. Mm -hmm. And that's where their money is. So give people something easy to digest. And and that is propaganda for what they're trying to get done, which is not pay attention, make everybody hate each other, fight with each other constantly. This person versus that person. That's what they want you to do by watching that. And I think people are over that. Mm-hmm. MTV, MTV would have changed their their whole channel if they gave a shit about ratings, because nobody watches that show anymore. Because because what they're putting out there isn't for anybody to consume. You know, when Prince died, they started playing all these videos of Prince, and their ratings shot up. Mm-hmm. And for a second, they're like, "Whoa, man, this is what we should be playing." And then, boom, they went right back to it. <laughs> My day in the life of being a gay porn star, you know. And it's just like that's fine. I don't care how you do. I mean, I did a show where I interviewed gay porn stars. I don't care. But, like, who's watching that? Yeah, I mean, well, that I mean that channel especially has just become, I mean, to go from, you know, just 120 minutes to, like, what they're doing now. And then, actually, I got to have, like, a like an hour-long conversation with Matt Pinfield at one point just about all that. And he's like, yeah, dude, they just, the, the network just eventually became the opposite of what it really started as. I mean, when you hear, like, people like Mike Judge telling their stories of, of how they got involved. And I mean, dude, I, you know, like I grew up with Beavis and Butthead. I'm still a, a huge fan. And it's like to go from that type of just subversive programming. Well, um, what happened, what in my opinion, now. is, is that it be, it was counterculture. And then everybody from the counterculture right there. And then it just became too much of one thing. Do you understand? Like, mm-hmm. it's too much of super like-minded people that there's nobody going, uh, I don't think anybody wants to watch this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, we would all love this. We, and it's just like, there's no, it's like when you go to certain places like Hollywood, Washington, D.C., Wall Street, there's such like-minded people. There's no outside voice going, guys, you're going too far. You're saying too much. This isn't right. It's everybody co-signing each other's bullshit because they all believe that same thing. There's no outside voice. And that's why I think you see in Hollywood is like there's a real dis, uh, disconnection from the rest of the country. And that there's people don't want to, you know, you know, what? 
Well, people try to cater to this homogenous middle that, like, when you really break it down and you really kind of, like, shake hands with people and go around the country, as, as we've all done, you find out that's not real. Yeah. You find out, like, that's an imaginary thing. These boogeymen, they can't, it's just, it's just weird. But it is all controlled. It is controlled by the top, and they're telling the bottoms what to do. And it's, it, I think it's more than obvious here that this, this dark hand that's involved in entertainment and why your show is so important and other shows like you. Speaking of dark hands, today, uh, that was my segue into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we want to get into um, mis- mysterious celebrity or famous deaths, but uh, taking a little a little bit of a different take on it. So you guys have asked us to talk about a couple different characters throughout history, and I selected three in particular to talk about today that have some questionable, and, and we'll figure out really, let's flesh it out. You know how we do it. So let's start back in the days when uh, when women were women. And uh, that's not saying anything against ladies nowadays. Uh, so Marilyn Monroe, when she was found dead in her home in 1962, it was ruled a probable suicide by authorities. The 36-year-old star of films like Misfits and Some Like It Hot had a history of mental illness, substance abuse, and her body was sur- surrounded by pills. So not much different than uh, ladies nowadays. Yeah, seems like in the in the theater. Well, it's always you always gotta wonder when somebody's you know it's like it's a very famous now the you know it's almost cliche they suicided themselves. That's a big thing you find now is everybody suiciding themselves. You know it's like this amazing like this guy suicided himself. Oh, he happened to have two shots in the back of the head. You know it's just it's interesting for sure. And she was like she was the first of the modern like kind of empowered sexual uh, sex objects kind of you see right now. Uh, I think probably more talented than, let's say, Kim Kardashian or anybody like that. But she was the first of of what would probably be like an everyday Jane who kind of like made it to the top of the power chain. You know, she was hanging with some pretty powerful people, man. And that's a big thing. It's like I've always found it interesting with women like, Women don't see, like men see, s- social structure, hierarchy the way men do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like we're all comedians here, right? Mm-hmm. If if Chris Rock walked in, we know who the alpha is instantly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and we kind of, by nature as men, we fall in line. Once mm-hmm. in a while, you see a guy challenge the alpha, but for the most part, it's like Chris Rock's the alpha. We're gonna follow what he wants to do. We all fall in line with how it goes. I find with women. That they're not as quick to do that. They're not maybe because they deal with alpha males different than men deal with alpha males. Like they're more attracted to alpha males, and therefore there's this kind of like they're on the level of the alpha male, which in this society it definitely is true. I mean, like the easiest way to move up in the social structure and in financial levels is to be a very attractive woman dating a super powerful man. You see it happen a lot. I mean, Anna Nicole Smith, great example, went from being like a strip bar stripper in Texas to being married to a billionaire. 
Sure, it happens. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of hope it, I'm hoping that some women are attracted to betas because that's what I am. So, <laughs> no, there are, well, the beauty of women is that they're attracted to many different things in men. Sure, yeah, all and, people are. Yeah, and I mean, and, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to date a super successful guy. I mean, if I was a chick, I would be like trying to date the the, the best of the best. There's there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something where you can go from an everyday Jane to just the super. I mean, our, our first lady is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's from like a third world, man. You know, it's like I wouldn't say third world, but she's like, where's she from? Uh, like um, Slovenia. Slovenia. I don't know if that's third world, but that's like, yeah, right. And now she's the first lady of the United States. Like, you gotta be. I mean, that's not easy to do. Well, Marilyn Monroe was already iconic in her own right, and and then she got involved with some people that were not only very powerful people. But also were very dangerous people in the uh, opponents that they had, and she got mixed up in all that. And and I have a feeling, and I know we're gonna we're like about to like dive into this next, but I have a feeling she knew more than we're ever gonna know about. Like like I have a feeling she knew, you know. I mean, because you know, and, and we talked about this off mic too. When you talk about JFK, you know, and, and you want to talk about conspiracy theory, I I will say this in my lifetime, and and I include like the most kind of um. You know, like straight laced, not, you know, questioning, thinking outside the box people I know. I don't know anybody that buys the official JFK story. That's something where it's like, you're almost a radical if you do buy it, where if you're like, oh, that's all there that was. That is funny. There's nothing man. more. I don't know anyone. Do you? Well, you know, to be honest with you, I went home over summer to see my, uh, see my mother, and I have some friends who still live in the area that I grew up in, and we had a little powwow. We all got together, and one of our friends was getting pretty drunk, and he's, like, very, uh, he's all for deregulation and all that stuff, and and another buddy of mine is kind of becoming awoke, and he was talking about 9-11. Then they started going at it, and he, you know, my buddy who wants deregulations totally believes the official narrative of that, and then my one friend just goes, yeah, and he literally goes, Sam, Oswald shot Kennedy. That's the that that's what happened. That's the real I go, what? I go, where did that's like that's white belt shit to me. Like we talk about this on the show a lot. Like everyone yeah. wants to clump all conspiracies together. Right. So like, you know, Moshe Kasher keeps sending me like he goes, What percentage of conspiracies do you believe in? Five percent. I go, that's doing disservice to it. There's levels to shit. We were talking on the Patreon the other day. You know, there's white belt all the way to black belt, the triple black belt stuff, where you can't talk about triple black belt stuff to uh, people that are just white belts because it will blow their mind. JFK is the beginning. That is where we decide where we can go with you in the conversation. Okay. And if you believe that JFK was shot by a magic bullet, we, we can't really progress past Yeah, like that. where can you – yeah. I mean because – and honestly, I've never met any – I mean I've, I've never met this relative of yours. So like <laughs> I've never I've never met anybody – like I mean, me and my dad were just talking about it over over Thanksgiving, and like, and, and like this dump that just came out. How like a lot of people? I mean, I, I get inundated with people sending me stuff, and I'm so thankful for it, man. You know this Q stuff that's been going out. I got stuff uh, about all the stuff he's going to talk. about. I got a spreadsheet someone sent me, and I was like, I get really nervous about that stuff. But then I start seeing all the stuff Q went came out, and I went back to it. All the information was in there. I'm like, holy shit! Some dude from the Navy sent me this thing. But, uh, you know, it's like we get a lot of uh, information from other people. I, I just – oh, this whole thing with the dump. Now this thing came out with George Bush who, like he said he wasn't there. This memo's there. Basically he sent a letter, a handwritten letter mm-hmm. going, yeah, dude, or a typed letter. I am – I'm going to be in Dallas that time. 
Well, I want to, like, if somebody says, like, well, what conspiracies do you do and don't believe in? I think that's totally the wrong way to look at all this. Because I, I think it's like, it's one of those things, like, you know, you can't believe or not believe in evidence. That's why when someone says, like, I don't believe in climate change, like, like that's that's just a far sentence. You can't say that. You can say, that's why I'm happy we're at least starting to use the term climate denier. Yes. Because that's what you're, de- you're doing. You're denied. There's all this peer-reviewed science. There's all this, you know, evidence-based content out there. And you're saying, no. Yes. I think that's made up or I think, like, whatever. Um, so that you either dismiss some or you don't dismiss some or you kind of just look at things – Critically, and you just kind of turn it over on its side, you're not necessarily believing or not believing anything. You're just saying, I subscribe to this. This ev- evidence is the strongest the way I see it. Yes. So it's, it's like, it, it's just like you can't just make it that surface oriented as, well, what do you believe? Do you believe in this or do you believe in that? Oh, you probably that? believe in this. We've had that before. Right. It's like, well, I guess you think there's aliens out there. It's like, well, I mean, I don't know if we have the grays, like what some people subscribe to. But I certainly think that the idea that we're totally alone in this, like, sea of planets where we've barely scratched the surface, I find that incredibly hard to believe. I think there's no way that's the case. You know. This show has taught me that uh, to not emotionally shut down to any one thing. Right. That's the thing. And I see that a lot because what we do in this show and when I debate with people, because people love to debate me. I'm known as a conspiracy theory guy. And they love to debate me and they think it's funny. I'm almost like an animal at the zoo they want to come and see and laugh at, you know. But I really, I am am arguing versus emotion, people emotionally throwing up on stuff. You know, they don't do any research. I mean, how many people just really don't even read articles. They just read the title of the blog or the article and make up the story after that. Mm-hmm. They really don't look into it. So when people go, you know, wait, jo- Josh Wolf, who's a wonderful comic, I talked about this last week, just walked in and started talking to me like, hey, how much do you believe in this stuff? And he goes, well, for anything, anything you bring up, I can bring up this. I go, if you actually did the research, you'd realize you can't just bring up that. Mm-hmm. That that wouldn't even make any sense if you actually did the research. I don't comment on stuff that I haven't researched. Right. Well, and you have to also be willing to evolve your hypothesis because the evidence out there is evolving. Right. So it's like you can say, like, well, right now I'm here because of what's available in X, Y, and Z, and this is why I'm here. But if something else changes, well, then I would, you know, like, I would evolve on it. I mean, th- that's just how it goes. So it's I- not I've like... admitted I'm wrong on stuff. I've taken down stuff I posted because I realized it wasn't <laughs> true or I didn't 100% believe it anymore. We've had to do... I mean, you know, we've had to follow up on stories at the Jimmy Dore show. I mean, we're, we reported on something where there was this... Um, there was this jogger that allegedly pushed this woman into traffic, and they, like, thought they had the guy. So we reported on it. We're like, allegedly, it's this dude. Um, later, they found out it wasn't. So we, we did a second story. We were like, so, update. Found out it wasn't this dude. I mean, that's just that, – yeah. that's how information works. Yeah. Like, like, you know, you don't always know everything. So you say, this is still evolving, and, and, and I'm always – I try to be mindful of saying, as of the recording of this, this is where we're at. When it's something that's really, you know, like the oil spill. Like I said, as we're recording this, this is where we're at. It's this many barrels. As of the recording of this, you know, like, because it's like it could change at any minute. Can, yeah. You know, and, and when you're 
when you're a, a YouTube show, you know, people like if you get a number wrong, even if it was right at the time, people would be like fake news, and it's like no, we're we're, they just we're people nuts. evolving with the information that's available to us. You and know, what? we don't have the resources to fly to South Dakota ourselves right now. Like, YouTube comments are like traffic on the 405. They just people just going nuts and screaming at each other. You know, it's just like this weird thing where it's just. I mean, free content. People are going nuts on each other. It's crazy. I got to stop. Like, I don't want to take the comments off. Why not? Because <laughs> because people enjoy the interaction. It's just, I, I think when I see somebody take, listen, when I see somebody take the comments off, I go, you're hiding something. You don't want feedback on what you're doing. Am I wrong? There is a certain stigma. Like, there is a certain stigma when you disable comments, but... I mean, sometimes you just see the most ridiculous stuff. A hundred <laughs> like, positive comments and then one just horrible shit posting. That'll ruin your day, man. Why, why open yourself <laughs> up to like such negativity? Because, uh, you know, sometimes you can glean some information off them. This is because, Sam, is you are like the king of the trolls. You say you like to shit talk because you're one of them. You know what I mean? Like I'd you, never say mean things to anybody. You never comment mean. You don't. You no. don't have like a fake name one on YouTube. One time. One time. No, never, dude. First of all, I I always use my picture, my profile. I own what I say. The only time I've really teed off, like I'll go after people who go after my friends. Like I've have you know like Leslie Jones or Melissa Villasenor or Steve Renazizi. These are people who had moments on the internet where everybody was attacking them. So I'll jump right in the fray and start I, like that scene in Punisher where he's beating up all the all the contract guys. <laughs> That's how I feel. Like I've just got a sledgehammer and I'm fighting back stupid people. Uh, but I own my stuff. You know, I own it. And you know, if I'm wrong, I'll apologize for it. But you know, I I don't know. Maybe we should do it. Let's get back to this here. So the idea is it was known that uh, Marilyn Monroe had relationships with both Robert Kennedy and John F. Kennedy. Banging brothers. That is, I think, that's that's craziness right there. I mean, but that's the, that's the Kennedys, man. It's like this weird kind of like public persona versus like real. Like mm-hmm. these guys were gangsters, dude. They were gangsters. So when Kennedy was in office, they still had an indoor swimming pool. And one of the first things that Nixon did when he got in is he cemented up that swimming pool. And he's like, nah, I ain't having no. Like, that was just. I didn't know that. That was one of the regime changes. Man, that's just like one of the many, many reasons that guy was a total killjoy. Like, yeah. I mean, like, sheesh. Let's go ahead and fill that thing up. I don't want this disgusting. Who, who, who fills in a pool? Somebody get... that's anti fun, like yeah. Nixon. Yeah. That guy just. <laughs> so there's idea. Unless that... it was football, he hated it. Yeah. That was the only fun thing he liked. Well, he did like Elvis. Elvis could show up with guns. Elvis. All right, fair enough. Could show up and be like, hey, dog, I got, a, I got a 12 gauge right here, you know? Yeah, I've heard those stories of uh, Hunter S. Thompson and Richard Nixon watching a football game together, like in a limo. He was a bastard of a man, but he knew a lot about football. Yeah. <laughs> People love their sports, dog. Uh, yeah, she was dan- I mean, like, going from brother to brother. What would you do to your brother if, if that happened? I mean, to me, I thought about that when you told me this. I thought about that. I think there's – it depends if it's like if she jumps right on the next brother. That's like weird, right? Well, they're both they're both married men as well. So it's like can you really complain? <laughs> like, Well, this is my whole thing. It's just like – listen, I, I don't want to get – the only married man in the room. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty not much married. married. I'm pretty much married. Um, 
Yeah, I, I get it, man. I mean, like, that's where we're getting with our politicians and we're starting to do with our, our entertainers where we're holding them up to this level of, like, you got to be perfect that only, like, liars and scumbags can get through, you know? It's just, like, the Kennedys were shady. They had super sex addictions, man. And, like, this isn't the only chick they might have killed. Yeah. They're saying that potentially, because this is back in the day, this is the 50s when you could just kill someone, sprinkle pills around them, and just call it a day, you know? There was no... There's nothing really beyond that. Just send in a photographer with a flashbulb and put it on the news. They think that the CIA potentially killed her because of Kennedy's family with the disastrous Bay of Pigs invasion. How that shit just went fucking belly up. Went bad. Yeah. And that was the beginning of the, the plot to assassinate him. Because he was, you know, like he uh, Kennedy, we talked about before, was just like, I'm going to get rid of the CIA, the Federal Reserve. Oh, I'm gonna, yeah. Uh, I'm going to get rid of the mob. You're like, you've just... Literally, you just made three really, really big enemies. And anybody, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure any president that challenged the Fed wound up with a bullet in the head. Yeah, and you know, to I me, mean, the nicest one out of those three is the mob. The mob, <laughs> literally. Like, if I go, you could keep one of them. Who would you keep? I keep the mob. You choose a Sicilian necktie. I would. Dude, <laughs> things are better. There's a lot of shit that was better when it was ran by the mob. Music, entertainment, Vegas, right? When Vegas ran, when the Vegas was ran by the mob, you can go get a five dollar buffet, see uh, Frank Sinatra for twenty bucks, and then you spend all your money on the gamble. Now it's like they want to charge you for parking. Everything. It was much better when it was ran by the mob, man. I would have picked the mob, but you are literally courting the four horsemen of like the apocalypse, dude. I mean, you're getting crazy people coming after you, dude. Those guys, everybody's gone after the Federal Reserve. They tried to kill. They also think that perhaps she knew a lot more about secret space program uh, because there's documents that have been released. And we actually have a little short clip from the film Unacknowledged. Now, I know some of you guys uh, don't like this film, don't like Dr. Stephen Greer. It is what it is. People listening to this would like this. Yeah, I mean... The thing about our, our listeners is that we just they just fall right on the edge of a razor. No one's bound where you're on one side or the other, you know? So here we go. Take this it is as it. it is. There was a man on my executive committee. He was a very well-known actor and singer named uh, Burl Ives. And Burl Ives, <laughs> he was a 33rd degree Mason. So all of you people who think that all these secret societies, everyone in it knows everything, they don't know anything. And he said to me, he says, we all know that Marilyn Monroe didn't die of an overdose. Boop, boop, be doo he said, do you know why they killed Marilyn? This president, the late Marilyn Monroe. And I said, well, I didn't until I got this document. It's a, a virtual death warrant because she was found a couple days later. 3 August 1962, wiretap of telephone conversations between reporter Dorothy Kilgallen, who was looking into Roswell and other UFO issues, and her close friend Howard Rothberg from wiretap of telephone conversation of Marilyn Monroe and Attorney General Bobby Kennedy. Rothberg discussed the apparent comeback of the subject with Kilgallen and the breakup with the Kennedys. This is referring to the fact that Marilyn Monroe had been having an affair with not one but both Kennedy brothers and it was becoming conspicuous so they broke it off. Rothberg indicated in so many words that she had secrets to tell, no doubt, arising from her trysts with the President and the Attorney General. One such secret mentions the visit of the president at a secret air base for the purpose of inspecting things from outer space. Now, this is 1962. Kavalin said if the story is true, it would be a terrible embarrassment 
for Jack and his plans to have NASA put men on the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. The subject repeatedly called the attorney general and complained about the way she was being ignored by the president and his brother. Subject threatened to hold a press conference and would tell all. It's a tragic situation because she was an actress. She didn't understand yeah. the national security state and the viciousness of those who want to keep these sort of secrets. That's my whole opinion, dude. That's my whole opinion, dude. Okay, hold on. Hold on. That's, that's my whole thing, dude. These chicks don't know who they're getting involved with, you know? I mean, like, you think you're on that level. You aren't on that level. You are invited in, and uh, they're playing uh, 4D chess. So you take your pick. We either got the CIA, the mob, or basically uh, she was taken out by the deep state because she knew too much about UFOs. Marilyn Monroe. I don't think that the CIA and the deep state is that much off from each other. You know, they're probably one and the same. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't. There's a reason why your your spouse doesn't have to testify against you, in a in a case like, mm. you know, because there's pillow talk and all that stuff, and it puts people in weird places. I wouldn't doubt. I mean, like, dude, again, they were gangsters. Like, their father was notoriously an asshole. Like, he he was he he'd make deals with you and then turn around and just fuck you over. I mean, like, the Kennedys were gangsters. As much as we want to act like it was Camelot, they were gangsters, dude. So I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I wouldn't doubt the space program. I've heard so much shit. Uh, what do you think? If I had to go somewhere, I, w- I would go CIA. Yeah, I, I don't think, yeah, like, I don't think it would be the mob. I, I think it would be she knew. Now, what she knew, there's a, yeah, there's a big plethora of stuff we could pick that she might have known about. I mean, so many things. But, yeah, I think it was she knew too much, and they and, and she was very powerful. I mean, she she had she was an icon at this point. She was a pop icon, and she knows all this stuff now, and that's, you know, that's not a desired combination by the powerful. <laughs> Even at this level, you're having women problems. Like, she's calling official people complaining that you're not showing her enough attention. If that's not the, 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 the relationship between men and women, no matter what level you're at, there's some chick going, why don't you show me attention? You're never home. Uh, I'm just trying to, like, run the world. That's all. I'm trying to get rid of the Federal Reserve. I don't know. You know about this? I don't know. You just don't show me enough attention. And she's calling your secretary complaining. Oh, man. I don't know. If I knew about UFOs, that might be my pickup line. Be like, hey, uh, want to go to Roswell? Uh, <laughs> I know a secret place. You want to know the truth about a lot of stuff? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know it's very interesting. We'll go on to uh, the next person, but that same meeting that we had, where the, my one friend was like, uh, Oswald shot JFK. Another buddy of mine, he's like this door-to-door. He's not a salesman, but he's like a district manager. Okay. Of, uh, of it, he in, he installs certain things. I don't know if it's security systems or something like that, but you know he'll go around and see all the clients that the company has sold stuff. And he's met a couple interesting people along the lines there. And he he told me uh, two interesting stories real quick. Uh, one was that um, uh, who who made the New Deal? What was the president? The New Deal. FDR. FDR. Uh, FDR was going uh, during during World War II was going to meet with Russia. And he'd gone on a sub. So anyways, there was this guy that was working on this naval ship. He was a a, a young black uh, naval officer who was doing a lot of... Uh, he was basically working the cafeteria. And he was 
allowed into meetings with the highest of highs in the in the Navy. The uh, the people who ran everything were there, and they let him come to the meetings because they really liked him. But over time, they realized that this young man had been privy to some serious talks. But they really liked him. And they're like, so here's what we're going to do, dude. You can do this one of two ways. You could either know that you could never tell people this story, or we're going to have to kill you. They literally said that to him. And I think, you know, you, you understand what the story is. So the word is that this guy eventually became the head of, um, uh, what's it called when you, oh, fuck. When you're, you're still in the military, but you only do once a month. Um, ROTC? No, what the is National it? Reserve? Yeah, they, they created the National Reserve for him to be the head of because he was part of this this group that knew all this stuff. So they created a department for him. And one thing he said that he had heard, this guy, because he's very old and he's about to pass on, he was telling my friend, that uh, RFK had died in the submarine. Hmm. That. He, and then nobody knew where he was for a couple of days, and they had to get a, a basically a double to cover for him for a couple of days. And then after this meeting, like RFK dies like a couple of weeks later, a couple of months later. And they said the biggest thing you could tell is because he never had his dog with him after that. Before that, he, his dog was always with him. And after this, the dog was never with him. And that was a big sign that like it was it was a double. Well, the reason I bring this up because this he met another guy and he told this guy told him that Area Fifty One is a it's just a smoke screen that that's there to get everybody to go oh something's going over there and it's actually elsewhere I have heard that the yeah. real thing is a mountain like two miles away where they carved out the middle of the mountain and this guy said they was installing some software in the mountain and they pulled the truck up and they just armed guards on them and they had to back. They, they they covered the side of his windows, and he had to back up the truck into the mount all the way down, backwards, only looking forward. He couldn't see what was on the side of him. Wow. So, so then recently, <laughs> this article comes out going, mysterious base inside of a mountain, and there it is, the picture of it. It's right in the fucking mountain, dude, and that's where all the crazy shit goes down. I don't doubt it. Right, I do. There's, there's no. I, I keep hearing buzz that some, some big shit's about to happen with aliens, and I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> and by hearing, what do you mean? Like the voices in your head? That there's going to be a uh, what's it called? They're going to make contact. Yeah, okay. disclosure. Well, since we're talking about icons, uh, this icon, not because I just was a, I used to be a super stoner, but uh, I still love his music to this day. In the late 1970s, the island of Jamaica was flooded with cheap guns, heroin, cocaine, right-wing propaganda, and death squad, death squad rule as an attempt to destabilize and wreck the island economy and its people. Violence and drugs were a method of controlling and exploiting the lives and resources of the country. In response to this chaotic state of his country, Bob Marley wove his lyrics with revolutionary crucifix to ward off the cloak and dagger vampires descending upon the island. He preached peace and sung songs about unity and love. Simply put, one love. Yeah. All right. So, a quote from Bob Marley, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. All right. On December 3rd, 1976, Bob Marley survived an assassination attempt by three gunmen at his home in Hope Road, Jamaica. Just five years later, he was taken down by a malignant melanoma originating in his toe. As with many music star deaths, Bob Marley's passing has been shrouded in mystery and unanswered questions and conspiracy theories. So that was December 3rd, yeah, 76. On December 5th, two days after the assassination attempt, 
Marley played at the Smile Jamaica Festival in Kingston. Oh, my God, man. I mean, I've had to perform after some tragedy. <laughs> Could you go up and tell jokes after someone tried to assassinate With you? With a bullet still in your arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bullet was still in his arm. Yep. While the band was preparing for the festival performance, a gift addressed to Marley himself was delivered backstage. It was from a young American named Carl Kobe. Inside was a pair of cowboy boots. When Marley tried them on, something sharp inside of the boots pricked his toe. Oh, my God. A length of copper was, was discovered embedded deep inside the boot. Many people believe the sharp wire contained a radioactive substance because it was the exact toe that subs- subsequently developed cancer. The gentleman, Carl Colby, was the son of William Colby former director of the CIA from 1973 to 1976. Oh, my. And he scored that photographer gig, too, right? Like, wasn't he was doing some kind of... He, he got in somehow. And, and, and if you hear interviews with that guy, he's totally dismissive. He doesn't take it serious at all. He never really... Like, like he's just... Um, and you know, they ask just, him about the. This boot? is just a side note, but yeah, he's extremely not likable. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, this guy is. Yeah, I don't like this guy. He's very, very off-putting. Totally. Yeah, it's just it's it's weird. Like the hand that the CIA has in so much stuff. You know, it's just like there's always some weird kind of connection that they have. Whether it's stars, like we've talked about Jim Morrison and like that whole rock era and how like the CIA had fingerprints all over it they would you know we had leary on last week in like you know the grateful dead and like what role they had in like just spreading lsd and the hippie culture and like the cia yeah so this guy this photographer's his dad's ahead of the cia you could do anything at that Mm -hmm. point if your dad's ahead of cia you could become a, a rapper i could become a rapper right now i'd be like dad make me a rapper and all of a sudden i'd be on like every billboard i'd be rapping on every it's so interesting. So why would they? Why did they want him dead? Do you think? Well, uh, if he's all about peace, love, and unity, and they're all about fear and destabilization, and he's about ganja, and they're about heroin, crack, and and the hardcore shit, uh, they basically it's as simple as they have opposing models of. Is it just get rid of the opposition? Well. Oh, sorry. I, I was going to say, like, this is another guy where it's like, like tying it into kind of like JFK and all that. This is another dude that was kind of like making some powerful, I don't know if enemies is the right, but some powerful opposition. Uh, you know, over in Jamaica, the, the conservative party, because like there's speculation it was the conservative party that went after him because, you know, it kind of seemed like he was endorsing, you know, the PNP, which was like the social uh, democratic party. Yeah. Um. Whereas he was just kind of playing a concert for peace. That was how it was sold to him, allegedly. But, you know, apparently that made the other party mad because Jamaica was kind of a two-party system. I, to my knowledge, still is. But um, so he had, like, this whole idea of, like, think for yourself, you know, like, be yourself, peace, harmony, love. You know, that's a tough sell anywhere to this day. But Isn't that really weird? over that's there. A tough sell. Right, exactly. But <laughs> but a, like it's a, hey dude, we should just all get along. Boo! Yeah, Shut right. Up. You know, it's just it's crazy. You're dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> In the song War, it's a straight up lyric from the song War, uh, that until no longer first class and second class citizens of any nation, until the color of a man's skin is no more significant than the color of his eyes, me say war. So he's all about I mean, 
peace peace has never been a popular thing in, in the government. And know? I don't know if there could ever be peace. Like, a lot of people say this is the most peaceful it's ever been in the world, and you think of all the wars going on because people have been battling. I, don't, I just don't know if you—I want peace. I wish people didn't fight, but I think whenever you got alpha males, there's always going to be— People wanting to be the top dog, and it's it's just weird that that is a message. And, and how many people who have pushed <laughs> peace have died? I mean, John Lennon, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, and here's another good quote from him, and it's the one I'll leave off with. Uh, Better to die fighting for freedom than be a prisoner all the days of your life. So, But he, that's not where the story ends, all right? So I want, I want to ask some real go quick before we go on with him. Do you ever worry? About, you know, a running joke on this thing is that, like, uh, my girlfriend literally says it to are We have people visit us. Are our lives in danger with what you're talking about? Do you ever worry about <laughs> what? Is there any even jokes about, like, oh, man, you know, when you see the Clintons taking out everybody left and right. And, you know, we had talked about how, like, and you, I know you guys have talked about it, but we've talked about, like, the 10 or 11 bodyguards have died. And everybody who brings up stuff about the Clintons have died. And, you know, we hear all these people that might have some information, putting out information, have died. Do you ever worry about that with the Jimmy Dore show? I need to get a bigger Twitter following first. I, I don't have the right to worry about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Does Jimmy ever worry about it? Because he is putting out some amazing information, which is a giant, like, going against the military-industrial complex and the two-party system, which they've enjoyed for the last 200 years, mm-hmm. even though it's ch- the parties change, but that's pretty much it. You know, right versus left and the, and the fight, then we realize they're all, it's two heads of the same snake. Do you ever worry about that? Like, I know you, maybe not you, but Jimmy, does he ever bring that up? I I can't speak for Jimmy, like, in regards to that. I I mean, I know that there's definitely those that oppose the show, and and some of the opposition comes from people that you think would be allies. I mean, there's some, you know, folks even, you know, affiliated with Pacifica that have had strong opposition to the show because, but Trump is usually the reason. But it's like, well, no, you, you need to hear these perspectives. Like, you need to, you really need to dissect this and go deeper than just like, oh, well, Trump's terrible. Yeah, Trump's terrible. But if you don't understand the system that got you to the demagogue, yeah. you're going to get another demagogue and it's going to be worse. It's going to keep getting progressively worse. We've thought about the left should never lose an election. They should mm-hmm. never. I mean, the exactly. country, even in the reddest places, I go do stand up, Arizona, Florida. Uh, Texas, wonderful places to stand up. They just want to laugh, you know? I mean, they just want to go. You know, it's like we can get down to little details here and there. But for the most people, just don't tread on me. You live your life. I, I live my life. The, these people that you see in the news, they're, they're used as uh, emotional grenades to be thrown out to get, you know, people all worked up because this, this 75-year-old guy said these people shouldn't do this. And you're like, that's grandpa. He's senile. Why, why do we care anymore? But it's an emotional grenade thrown out. But it's like. You know, I said on your show, like the Democrats are just they're they're the Washington generals and they're just oh, yeah. being made to lose big to the- time. There's not an institution in my lifetime and I, that is better at snatching defeat from the jaws of victory than the Democratic Party. And like your Washington generals analogy, it's got to be by design at this point. Yeah. It's ridiculous to they're think otherwise. They're paid to throw the fight. Yeah. That's what it is. So go on with what you're talking about, Bob Marley. So in a variation of this urban legend, the CIA also recruited Marley's physician to ensure their assassination attempt would succeed. 
The last six months of his life, he was in the hands of a Dr. Joseph Eisels, a German holistic comprehensive immune therapist. Because he's Rastafarian, he didn't use any modern science. You're not supposed to cut into your flesh. You don't shave your beard. You don't cut your hair. So he had to go the more uh, herbalist way, I guess you would say. Oh, my God. So he was getting treatment in Jamaica, and then he was referred to this doctor in Bavaria. When the doctor met Bob for the first time, he was quoted saying, I hear, you're, I hear that you're one of the most dangerous black men in the world. What? Okay. Well, and this guy had a weird history, too, man. I mean, he was involved with the Nazis and yeah. stuff. Like, this was not a dude that it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, like, I, I I don't know why there wasn't, so, like, like, like Bob Marley's wife or something that was like, we have to, this isn't okay. I know this guy has some experimental methods that you want to try, but we got to, I'm not comfortable with you being alone with I this mean, guy. Bob I mean, Marley- it, it was weird. It was very, very strange. Yep. And just the way that he got the cancer and, and the way it spread... I mean, the only kind of plausible thing is, is family history, which allegedly on, on like, his father's side, like, there apparently may have been some. But even that, it's still so weird. A 36-year-old guy in excellent physical health, exercised all the time, had a very good diet because of his Rastafarian beliefs, would all of a sudden not only get this melanoma, but it would spread so freaking fast. It's such a young age. Yep. It's... Beyond peculiar, and 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 very much so. I mean, not a total anomaly, but but so unlikely. His treatments involved starvation and shoving long needles through his body. There was what? no there was no evidence that these treatments, quote unquote, were effective against the cancer. Marley weighed eighty two pounds on the day of his death, May eleventh, nineteen eighty one. He was thirty six, like you said. The starvation diet must have devastated his immune system. Oh, my God. So, yeah, Yeah. when you go somewhere, you're just trusting the guy. Back in the day, Bob Marley was unaware of his physician's past. Dr. Eisels was rumored to be a former SS Nazi doctor Mm -hmm. assigned to Auschwitz concentration camp, working alongside the infamous Dr. Joseph Mengele. Oh, my God. Also known as the Angel of Death. Yeah, so, like we've said in this show, the Nazis didn't get defeated. They just entered an expansion draft, and everybody drafted them. And apparently the Bahamas got a doctor yeah. in, like, the third round. Not saying German. And nowadays, German doctors are probably, like, the smartest and best, besides maybe Indian doctors. If Whenever I go to the doctors and I see that it's, like, a straight-up, there's no accent, I'm like, I don't know about this. Send in, <laughs> Send in the guy that's, like... Send in the foreigner. Hook me up. It's inter- It's definitely. I, I wouldn't doubt it, man. I mean, like the guy's all about peace and love, and I don't know what the CIA's job is anymore. I mean, that sh- this show has opened my eyes. Like, what is their role? What are they doing? It just seems like they're just committing a. Tr- I mean, like they're saving our democracy from who? Yeah, sa- <laughs> I don't even know. What they're One headline at a time. <laughs> is it just bankers? Like. There are stories. It's anybody benefiting from the oligarchy. Yeah. I mean, that, that's really at, at the end of the day, and it, and it seems like this is. Is it one an of those. international oligarchy? It's not even just United of States. Of course, well. it is. I mean, that's the thing. And another thing, you know, we keep coming back to like like the whole Russia thing as a comment. I mean, that's another thing. It's like the theme of all this stuff with, with Trump and with everyone else is that oligarchs cooperate with each other. They exchange, uh, you know, beneficial stuff. 
And they have no allegiance to country. They have no allegiance to citizens. They don't give a shit about you. They don't give a shit about me. That's the only theme we can take from all this. Does does Trump do corrupt stuff with Russian oligarchs? Of course he does. Yeah, that's the whole thing. He does thing. corrupt stuff with other oligarchs. You know who else does that? The Clintons, the Obamas, Republicans, Democrats. That's the game. And, and to make it out like everything else is hunky-dory is just – it's delusional. It is. And it's just like I don't know why people can't see that. Why can't you see that at that level – they're all the same. I mean, when you see a picture of the Clintons and the Trumps at the same wedding, how do you not go, well, what the fuck is going on here? When you have something in common with someone, just the smallest thing, I mean, whether you're a billionaire, you know, you're going to hook them up. Us being redheads, I know how it is. You see another redhead out there on the street to kind of give, like, the little secret wink. Yeah, and, like, hey, we're going extinct in 30 years. Yeah, <laughs> if you have a waiter or waitress, that a bartender, they'll hook you up, and you'll be like, what's this for? And they'll like, you know. <laughs> you know what it is. Ginger power. Hook. Oh, really? <laughs> you, same with you with Armos. I see it. you interact with Armos. No, I'm not Armenian enough. Well, they... I'm literally Boba Fett, dog. I am a lone assassin. <laughs> Just I'm Ronin, dog. Ronin the streets, roaming the streets. Fighting the fight. So, yeah. Should we move on to the third? Let's do the third. All right. Kurt Cobain left Exodus Recovery Center, a drug rehab center in Marina del Rey, California, on April 1st, 1994, and was later reported missing. On April 3rd, Tom Grant, a former detective from the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, now a California state-licensed private investigator, was hired by Courtney Love, who was in Los Angeles at the time, to locate her husband. On April- now, uh, full disclosure, I hit up Tom Grant to come on the show. Didn't hear back from him. And that's always a problem when you, your show is called Tinfoil Hat. People have a negative connotation with that sometimes. They don't think we're fucking professional like a boss like we are. What's funny is because we know people in recovery and have gone to rehab, rehab centers. It's called exodus, which means evacuation or departure. I don't think you really <laughs> you should have more of like a stay here, get it all done. You don't It's wanna- so weird, man. So uh, on April 8th, 1994, Kurt Cobain, the lead singer of the grunge band Nirvana, was found dead at his home in Seattle, Washington. Forensic analysts at the time determined he had killed himself on April 5th. Another suicided. The shotgun, a Remington Model 11 20 gauge, was not checked for fingerprints until May 6th, 1994, a month later. According to the fingerprint analysis, four latent prints were lifted but were unusable. Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing about police officers. They're like anybody. Like, we just talked about your doctors. You just assume they're the best of the best. And at the end of the day, they're just fucking people, you know? And they have their problems, too, you know? They, you know, they have bad short-term memory. They have chronic halitosis, you know? They have their bigotries. They have, you know, so whoever's solving your your murder, you might not have the A-team. You might just have whatever team was available at that time. Well, now it's like one of those things because like this one, I mean, you know, full disclosure, I'm a huge Nirvana fan. So I've I've read all the books. I've watched all the documentaries. And because when I was a kid, of course, I didn't want to believe that my favorite musician killed himself. So I so, I, you know, I, I used to be really, really into it. You know, now as, as a grown man, I'm, I'm a little more like, well, but I mean, the idea that, you know, proper police work was not done is, of course, just an assumed thing where it's like, yeah, of course they didn't. So now they want to cover up any potential negligence by being like, oh, well, of course it was a a suicide. And and I'm not saying, like, 
it definitely wasn't. I don't know if we'll ever really know for sure. Right. But there are some really big bullet point, um, you know, overlooks that happened there. There were some uh, weird accounts out there. By like, there's a guy named El Duce that claimed Courtney Love offered him money, um, and he had another name of somebody else that that was like a potential uh, gunman. Um, shortly after he gave that interview to Nick Broomfield, who was making the documentary Kurt and Courtney, he winds up dead. El Duce winds up dead under some weird circumstance. Allegedly, it was a train accident. I mean, there's some really weird stuff surrounding because again this is a guy that got a lot of power that he never thought he'd ever have in his life i lived in seattle for three years i i know people that knew kurt cobain just as a dude like a, a buddy of mine used to sell him guitar strings and he was like yeah he was just this unassuming guy he used to love to go to the comedy underground until he started getting recognized in public too much that's another thing. like kurt loved comedy that's why bobcat uh goldthwaite got to open for them for a bunch um and all of a sudden, he's the biggest musician in the world, and he has this weird circle of people that are doing, like, really out there, uh, you know, subgenres of, of punk rock. I mean, the mentors, like, I mean, they, they made Gigi Allen look like a family act, for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, I mean, there was some out there stuff, and he's rubbing elbows with all these people while simultaneously getting played on, on like, MTV. I mean, it's so... There's a lot of weird characters involved on, on on all sides. I mean, you know, I I saw Michael Azrad's movie. There's another guy out there that, you know, and this goes into the whole, like, people giving tinfoil a bad rap. There's this, like, public access guy, and he's still out there in Seattle, and his show was literally called Kurt Cobain Was Murdered. <laughs> and this guy goes as far as, like, everyone's at Chris Novoselic's involved, Dave Gruel's involved. Uh, Chris Novoselic had to get a restraining order against this dude. He accuses Michael Azrat, a music journalist, of somehow being involved. I mean, and, and this guy just goes, and, and there's no evidence here. It's just his ridiculous speculation. There is, there's something, there's a, there's a term for it when you start finding patterns in conspiracies that it just starts adding up, you know, and you just, and it's not there. It's, I forget the name of the term, but it's like this guy's just putting everybody involved in this, this, uh, Suicide is, uh, yeah. He just does this absurd mental gymnastics, and and it's like, and you hear the guy, and it's like, okay, and and that sort of like discounts the critical questions that do exist, you know, like which kind of gets back to like the whole thing. It's like, yeah, there's there's some critical questions here that weren't answered, and it'd be great if the truth was uncovered. If if Kurt Cobain didn't commit suicide, it would be awesome if the public knew that, because there have been so many copy suicides over the years and yep. this man's music is still so influential to this day and yeah I'm a bit biased I'm a huge fan yeah um but you know I would love to you know know the truth one way or the other um and and even just the thing where it's like you look at the shotgun itself you know if you're gonna kill yourself that's such a peculiar weapon to pick really this was a big ass shotgun they released a picture of it about a year ago the seattle police department did because every year on the anniversary of his death they they like release more stuff and it's just sort of cannon fodder to say look i know there was some weirdness but we did our jobs and he killed himself but then you look at this stuff and you're like that's the shotgun he used because um there was a thing out there that allegedly courtney love wanted to melt the shotgun down uh, and that was denied. So they showed this picture to say, hey, all you naysayers out there, look, we still have the shotgun. It wasn't melted down. See, can you get off like the theory that he might not have killed himself? And it's like, 
Well, no, because there's still the question of why would he use this huge-ass shotgun to – I mean, I was looking at the picture, and I'm like, I don't even know – if I would have been able to like yeah. execute it, like like I have, I'm a small guy, I have small arms, and Kurt Cobain was, I think Kurt Cobain was like five seven, he weighed like 120 pounds. Yeah. it's like, and and he had a bunch of heroin in his system at the time. Yeah. He had a three times the lethal dosage of heroin, and you're telling me he's able to pick up this thing? Yeah, I mean we've seen you've seen the video of those two parents cr- out on heroin while the kids in the back eating. And yeah, just a, you know, and you're telling three times that. Three times. Yeah, three times. Which someone that was as big of a user as him, that that's not like 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 that's plausible that he would have had that much in his system. But yeah, the idea that he could take this like ridiculous shotgun that I don't even know if I could execute Stone Cold sober. And he, I mean, yeah, it, there there's so many weird uh, inaccuracies in this whole thing. The, the fact that they took that long to get fingerprints, the ones that they got were you know illegible. Um, and and then even just like the note itself, I mean, there's a lot of yeah. really peculiar points have, in this. You have the note right here, right? Yeah, if you you could see it, there's actual photos of it online for the the note. And the weirdness is the note was addressed to Kurt's wife and daughter. It was not addressed to them. I mean, it says nothing about killing himself. This note was clearly written to Cobain's fans, telling him he was quitting the music business. There is only a short footnote to Courtney and Francis that the handwriting contained in those had been questioned by several handwriting experts. And if you see this online, you'll see that it's like the main part, it's like small little writing, and then the little afterwards, it literally looks like somebody else wrote it. Like yeah, the, the, right, the, the handwriting's different? Yeah. Very much so, yeah. It's, I mean, it, it looks... And it was just weird, the shift in tone, too. Because it's like, I mean, he was writing... Like, the note was a very well-written very thorough explanation and yeah I mean it was kind of open ended it sounded like yes he was leaving the band which he had talked about doing he was getting bored with Nirvana um, but and then all of a sudden just at the end it's like oh keep going Courtney keep going Francis and it, it was just this weird shift in tone that yeah. was was peculiar and what they don't talk about is Courtney Love was facing a divorce Kurt was in the process of leaving Seattle and his wife uh, when he was found dead Courtney knew that Court wanted out of the marriage just prior weeks before his death. He, she asked one of her attorneys to get the meanest, worst, div- vicious divorce lawyer she could find. And the other thing that's pretty trippy that you never really hear too much about is someone was using Kurt's credit card. One of Kurt's credit cards was missing when his body was discovered. Wow. Someone was attempting to use the missing credit card after Kurt Cobain died, uh, but the attempts were stopped after his body was discovered. That's something that's really left out. It's one of those, like, you don't leave a paper trail or a digital trail behind. Yep. So That's crazy, dude. So Tom Grant, he began to publicly speak out in December of 94 about the suspicious circumstances surrounding Cobain's death. He believed Kurt Cobain's death is a conspiracy. And let me get, get on the conspiracy. The term conspiracy is merely a legal term describing a planning or plotting of a crime by two or more persons. Conspiracy crimes that are federal can include conspiracy to engage in criminal activity, such as money laundering, conspiracy to violate federal laws, or conspiracy to manufacture drugs or weapons. According to the legal definition, there are literally thousands of true conspiracies committed every single day, every single year across the United States alone. Conspiracies are very real. Ask any police officer or prosecuting attorney. So he's saying that this does not add up 
and we should continue looking into it. Just yeah. Be, just because there's a, b- a body doesn't mean that's the end of the story. Well, Tom Segura's got that great bit about the first 48, and it's like 48 hours, and then they're like, yeah, well, I guess we didn't solve it, and they move on mm-hmm. to the next one. And yeah, well, and you don't want to admit to a mistake, you know? I, I mean, and, you know, Tom Grant, I mean, a lot of people say, well, he's an opportunist and stuff. like. And I understand how you could, you know, make that case, mm-hmm. but... I mean, the guy's website looks like it's from 1995. Yeah. I, I mean, I think if he was really raking in the cash here, he would. Um, it, it'd be a little more like like apparent that that was happening. It doesn't seem like that's the case for this guy, and now he has this kind of stigma attached to him. I mean, you know, and I don't think we we know the truth one way or the other. I hope someday we find out, but I do think that these people that are really wanting to investigate this, I, I do think they truly. Uh, are convinced that there is more to this, and there are, are some. Do you very think peculiar... there's more to it? I th- yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some peculiar points that we still need to research, like like, like that's or that still need to that ne- the case needs to be reopened, right? You know, like, like like there's some inaccuracies in there, like that we just talked about. Like like there's just so many points where it's like, yeah, you can't just say that this is an open and closed book one way right. or the other, you know. Right. Now, there was a, and I don't know if you're getting into this, but there was some pedogate connections to this stuff, right? Have you heard any of this? There's a lot of rumors, and that's a hard one to try to pinpoint, but the idea is that maybe Kurt stumbled upon that his managers and people involved in Nirvana and the higher-ups, he basically might have discovered that they were using young Nirvana fans in very sexual ways, and he had this guilt. So there's like ideas that he might have knew knew too much. Like that's kind of what's going the theme with all these people. They kind of knew too much, or uh, they were going to speak out, and you can't have people telling secrets. I mean, like the grunge scene and like rap. I mean, they've lost so many of their stars, right? It's just and they all die in the same kind of weird way. Rappers through gunfire, and and then grunge guys through. I mean, who's the last guy? Eddie Vedder. Well, and they both started out as movements that never predicted what was going to happen would happen. You know, I I mean, you know, Kurt Cobain, Nirvana, I mean, you know, like this stuff was kind of going on. It was mostly existing on on college stations and stuff like that. And then you get this really good three-piece out of Seattle that's not afraid to just throw a couple more pop hooks in there. And all of a sudden they unseat... Uh, Michael Jackson, hair metal is dead in its tracks. Right? I mean, it was it, just, dude. It was Killed just a it. trippy thing that nobody could have called. And same with hip-hop. I mean, you know, Last Poets were around back in, in the 60s, and these people were, you know, not getting uh, ten, any of the, the Ten was out for ten years before it blew up. Mm-hmm. Like, that album wasn't brand new when America got behind it. It had it, been out for, I don't know if it's ten years, but it was out for quite a long time. And then people discovered it. That you know, it's like I remember I did acid at Lollapalooza, and I got to see Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, you know, all at once. I, it was amazing. So it's just one of those things. Of course, power has the potential to corrupt. You know, does that mean that that Kurt Cobain's death was a conspiracy? Well, maybe, maybe not. But you know, there's definitely plausibility that something like that could very easily happen, and there's some very you know striking. Uh, elements in all this that that are still unanswered, and and they're they're striking enough that it's like, well, we need you know, people should know the answers here, and and we ha- still have not gotten them. Yeah, and I don't know if you'll ever get them. I mean, yeah. I think maybe we should just hope that um, that what? Let's go. Let's. let's hey, Aaron, we got something special. I made something very special for you this episode. I don't know where it is though. 
I just sent it to your email. Okay. All right. Um, it is interesting. I don't know. Maybe we should take retired, like, old criminal detectives and give them something to do where they can right? just go try to um, try to uh, solve cases that are cold. Cold well, cases. I mean, hey, that's happening now. That's happening now with, with people like Bill Benny and people like, um, you know, other, other intelligence professionals that are kind of doing their own legwork. Uh, about what's going on in the world because everything's just getting so off the rails and ridiculous. Yeah, and if you take anything away from this episode, listen to more Bob Marley and listen to more Nirvana in that exact order. Amen. Because they're both amazing. Yes. I got to expose myself, re-expose myself to stuff I'd fallen in love with years ago. Now here's uh, everybody's favorite part of the show, and it actually has its own theme song now. Let's see. Hold on. Oh, ah, fuck. Of course, I fucked this up. Yeah, it's about right. Hold on, hold on, dude. Hold on, just chill, Bill, dude. Aaron, Aaron, don't be an idiot. Open your mind. Why, God? The Lord told me to tell you, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake. So I strongly suggest. That you wake the fuck up, you filthy animal. It's time for Thoughts, Aaron. (laughs) I really appreciate the opening with Quato from Total Recall. (laughs) I knew you knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean... I'm all for conspiracy and Kurt Cobain's death. I think that is uh, is fishy, the way that they do it. I think the the Seattle police chief has since said, like, I didn't look into this enough. I apologize. Yeah, they're slowly starting to admit some fault, but it's been like, yeah. Yeah. Marley could have just not treated a thing (laughs) that was wrong with him. Like, he just, it's oh, it's on my toe, whatever. You don't want to go those voodoo doctors, dog. Yeah. Well, yeah, there was, like, had he amputated that toe, he might have been fine. Yeah, so there's definitely, I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot of peculiarity, but. Yeah. Marilyn Monroe, thoughts, Aaron? Who killed him? I don't know. Killed her. Before my time. I don't know. Okay. Who's uh, to say? Who is to say? <laughs> Ron, you were great. A great guest. I would have you on a thousand times, a million times. Um, real quick, uh, where can they find you? Follow me on Twitter at Ron Placone. Uh, RonPlacone.com is my website. Should have some tour dates up soon for 2018. Uh, you can catch me on the Jimmy Dore Show, and I have my own podcast on music and politics called Five Chords and the Truth. That's the number five, Chords and the Truth. And it's about music and politics? Yes, sir. Oh, that's great, man. Well, you're doing great stuff. I didn't Honestly, I didn't know you were a stand-up. Now that I know that, I'd love to get you in some of my shows I'm producing. I would love that, too. And we'll, we'll do some tinfoil hat shows, too. Uh, we're trying to... Put some stuff on the road, and I'd love to have you on. Um, great show, dude. Uh, Ryan, you did a great job on research. I really appreciate everything, the hard work you put in the show. Guys, thanks for supporting the show. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this. And uh, we got some great guests. In December will be a December to remember. We got a lineup of great people. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Take care. Bye, guys. <laughs>